You know, I know we're mainly a baseball pod, but fun fact, Jack Eichel has now won more Stanley oh, Cups than the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, that one was for Zach, the biggest Sabre fan on earth. Sabre fan man himself. Anyway, welcome to our 1910 episode of Championship or Bust with Max, Zach, and Josh. We got baseball for you once again, even with the hockey intro. This is a pretty significant World Series because it's actually Connie Mack's first of his five World Series wins. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it right over to Josh for some game breakdowns. All right. Thank you, sir. So the 1910 World Series, Philadelphia Athletics, Chicago Cubs. The Athletics ended up beating the Cubs four games to one. Now, the Athletics came into this winning the American League by 14 and a half games, while the Cubs came in winning the National League by 13 games. So both of these teams didn't quite have a hard time making it to the series, winning by pretty much a landslide in their respective divisions. Although, opposed to that, there wasn't a clear favorite to win this World Series. The Athletics were known to be a very good pitching team, and the Cubs were known to really not have that great of a pitching staff, but the Cubs were known to be much better batters in Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia ended up coming to the series with 10 days off. Chicago had just one day off after their season ended. So a bit of a disparity there. Actually, the largest uh, disparity of rest days in World Series history. Although, the Athletics ended up actually playing a game on a Friday night before the series started on Monday uh, against the All-Stars, which is partly known as the first All-Star game. Hmm. Uh, And some of those All-Stars included Ty Cobb. And they absolutely kicked the crap out of the Athletics. They beat them 8-3. to three. It was a bad game. And uh, some people were like, oh, my God, the Athletics are going to lose really bad. This is not good. Um, so Philadelphia was known to be a much younger team than the Cubs. The Cubs were known to be a lot older, but they were also a lot more experienced. They still had players you know, that we've talked about uh, when they won it all in 1908, like Mordecai Brown, Joe Tinker, and Frank Chance. Uh, but it was kind of clear that these guys were starting to become past their prime, and it really wasn't a surprise the Athletics more or less ran them over in five games. And honestly, the Cubs just avoided getting sweep, uh, getting swept. Uh, they won game four in a tenth inning after tying the game in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, and the Cubs were actually missing their second baseman, Johnny Evers, another guy we had talked about before. And the Athletics were missing one of their better hitters in uh, Rube Oldering to injury. So no one really knew quite what to expect out of it, but people still kind of favored the athletics. So in game one of the series, uh, Chief Bender allowed just three hits to the Cubs and one unearned run, and the athletics made pretty quick work of that game in a 4-1 win. Game two ended up being a lot more hectic, 22 hits between the teams. The athletics ended up scratching across nine runs against Mordecai Brown, which was very much unlike him. And the Cubs managed only just three runs and left a stunning 14 men on base, which was a record at the time for the World Series. Uh, Game three was an absolute blowout. A lot of game was tied after three innings. The Athletics poured it on, winning that game 12-5. Cubs just really couldn't handle the Athletics bats. Uh, Connie Mack even told the media after that game that he was incredibly confident they would sweep. Um, But in the fourth game, the Cubs were behind 3-2. Serious danger of being swept. With uh, one out and a player on base, uh, probably one of the more controversial players you'll ever see, uh, player manager Frank Chance came up to bat and was hit by a pitch. But the umpire ruled that he stepped into it, so they made him get back in the box. <laughs> and then he hit a triple and tied the game in the bottom of the ninth. Wow. 
Wow. And even with a guy on third base with one out, they couldn't scratch across that winning run. But the next inning, they were able to get it on a two-out single. So, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And that's got to be up there with one of the most umpire-influenced calls. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Wow. And then game five was pretty close until the Athletics ended up springing for five runs in the eighth inning. They won that game 7-2. to two. And Jack Coons became the third pitcher in World Series history to win three games without recording a loss. And there you have it. The Athletics take this one 4-1. to one. It's amazing how much has been lost in baseball history where that just is not known. Yeah. Bring stuff up. Like you hear in other sports the what-ifs of, you know, 30, 40 years ago, but none of the other sports have the history that baseball has. And, you know, you multiply that times 10, and that's how many of these situations you have in baseball. And clearly a lot of what-if situations that we've seen so far, that's probably got to be one of the highest ones. Because if yeah, that, that call doesn't it. take place, change the whole trajectory. <laughs> yeah, it, it delays the inevitable, if anything. But if it was closer, I feel like it would have been up there. Maybe that's why it's not talked about. For sure. Angel Hernandez must be behind home plate. Uh. So moving on to the Hall of Famers of this series, we have a lot of retreads and actually a couple newbies. Uh, so for the Cubs, you know the core four at this point. Tinkers, Evers, Chance, and Mordecai Brown, or as Chicago probably called them, John Paul, George, and Ringo. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Evers did not play broken leg, as Josh mentioned before. Uh, Joe Tinker, 6 for 18, hit 333, two doubles, and an 844 OPS, which was pretty crazy for him. But he's come up pretty big in these series. Frank Chance, 6 for 17. Uh, 353 average, 882 OPS, one triple, one double, four runs batted in. And what leaned into that pitch. Yep. (laughs) into that pitch as well. Uh, Mordecai Brown, uh, as you mentioned, rough, very rough. Um, One and two on the series with a 5.5 ERA had a good strike at the walk ratio, 14 to seven, um, but gave up 16 runs in 18 innings. So bad, (laughs) very, very bad for a really legendary pitcher. Uh, moving on to the athletics, we mentioned Connie Mack before. This was his first World Series win, his second World Series appearance. Uh, Chief Bender went 1-1, one 1.93 one, 1. ERA. As Josh mentioned, he played pretty well. 14 strikeouts, 4 walks, 4 runs, and 18 innings. So, just under a 2 ERA, but still went 1-1. One and, one. and our newbies. Um, I'll start with the name that more people probably know, and that's Frank Homerun Baker. What a different era that this is. Uh, great nickname, first of all. Uh, definitely could be one of the top picks in a nickname draft if you were to ever go there. Uh, um, but obviously his distinguishing characteristic is hitting a lot of home runs. And, man, he really hit a lot of them. Uh, he led the league in 1911 with 11. Then he led the league in 1912 with 10. Then he led the league in 1913 with 12. And then led 1914 with 9. 96 career home runs, but led the league four times. So it's just a testament to how the dead ball history of Major League Baseball worked. And now, honestly, it's really hard to compare different eras of baseball. Yeah. Uh, it's the, I always thought that I could, and I made that list when we did the Hall of Fame episode, and I had them all ranked. And my main thing that I'm learning is 
I can't just separate pre and post 1900 because it's it's two completely different games. Um, but well, for hey, the hey, you, know what? you know what? Speaking of speaking of dead ball, though, they actually use a different ball in this World Series one they've never used before. Yep. They had used um, rubber-centered balls before this, and this is the first time they ever used a cork-centered ball because it was supposed to last a lot longer. But, I mean, it was still dead. But uh, Now I'm going to go from Commissioner's uh, juice ball theory to war. Okay, nerds? So he had a career 62 war, and in this series itself, he was great. Nine for 22, three doubles, one triple, no home runs for home run Baker. Four RBIs, 409 average. Really, really good work. up to that yeah. nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till um, next World Series. Spoiler. So I think he would probably be classified, you know, 62 war for going with sabermetrics to compare errors. He'd probably be considered a more borderline Hall of Famer. It took him a while to get there. Uh, took probably 10 to 12 elections for him to get in. Uh, but this next person was a no-doubter. And it took him a couple of years because just with the backlog of the first few elections. But it's Eddie Collins who I think may be the most underrated Golden Age Hall of Famer. Uh, we'll be talking about him a lot, spoiler alert. He made eight World Series and won six of them, and this Oof. is the first. So he'll be around for a while. Uh, he won an MVP, career average of 333, 3,315 hits, won an MVP, finished top three in voting five times. Obviously, ton of accolades. Not going to go into too many of them, but one that stands out to me is that he actually has a record that will never be broken that we uh, – missed when we were talking about it um he holds the all-time record for sacrifice hits with 512 wow think about this anyone want to guess the active leader in sacrifice hits so it's gotta be it's gotta be like uh somebody's got like 80 yeah a little more than that but guess who it is miguel carrera nope not a hitter it's like what uh oh a bunch probably God, like Bob Who's been around forever? Kershaw, yeah. Wainwright. Kershaw. You Kershaw. got it. 110. Four of the t- – actually, six of the top seven active leaders are pitchers. pitchers. It's Elvis Andrews is second, and then after that it's Johnny Cueto, Adam Wainwright, Julio Teheran, and if you count Cole Hamels and Steven Strasburg as active at this point, yep. they're the next ones. I would not count Hamels. I would count Strasburg. Yeah. Fair enough. But that's a different topic for another day because like, I could talk about Strasburg all day. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but Eddie Collins also led the league in stolen bases four times. For the nerds, he has a 124.7 career war, which is the 13th of all time. And in this World Series, 9 for 21, four doubles, three runs batted in, and a 429 average. So, dominant player, had a dominant series. Uh, classic story. And one of the guys who's really been forgotten and in a greatest player of all time since, but he absolutely should be in there. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. I actually barely knew who that was. I, you know, you hear about Ty Cobb, you hear about Ruth, like um, all those other guys. He kind of gets lost in the mix a little bit. Yeah, he's another guy who just kind of got lost in history. And he, the numbers are there. You know, obviously we never saw him play, but the, the stats are pretty crazy when you look at them all together. Seems like a really solid all-around player. Yeah. So actually going back to Strasburg because, you know, Clearly had an injury update last week on June 3rd. Uh, he was shut down again with severe nerve damage. And obviously he's been having a lot of trouble. There's still no timetable for a return. And he's been shut down now from all physical activity. And that's straight from CBS Sports. Um, it's a shame because he's one of my favorite pitchers ever. 
I remember just him coming in with so much hype. And he, he might be the most hyped baseball prospect of our lifetime. He comes in. They nationally televise his debut. He gets 14 strikeouts in his first game. And it's just sad to see how this ended up. And he's not a bust because he won a World Series. He has a World Series MVP. He showed up when they had to. And I think if the Nationals could replay their this career, they would take this every time. They were a perpetual dumpster fire. And he comes in. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, you're not. No, I mean, no. Yeah. I mean, it was Ryan Zimmerman and nobody. And then uh, he comes yeah. in and changes that whole thing. And Bryce Harper comes in and changes that whole thing. And all of a sudden, they became something. And it was sort of kind of like the Carmelo intro that I talked about last week. When, you know, he came in, the whole atmosphere changed. We obviously didn't win a title with Melo. Strasburg won a title here. So I think if you're Strasburg, you, you are very happy with how your career turned out, even though it honestly could have been – it's one of the biggest what-ifs. So much better. In modern baseball. And he had a really good career. Uh, I mean, how many full seasons did he actually play? So he made three all-star teams. He pitched over 30 games in three seasons. Yeah. But he pitched over 25 games another two. But when he pitched, he was really, really good. He has a career ERA of 3.24. That's good. He was legitimately really good. He has a whip of just over one. Yeah. No, he's a great <laughs> player. I just... It's tough. I mean, he's to, not a whole player by any means. He didn't no. play long enough, but he was every bit as talented as the pitchers that you know people are going to be voting for. And I think the thing with him is crazy is that when you know when he came up and they were like, "Oh my God, this guy is absolute gangbusters," and you know the the Nationals made the made the playoffs. Uh, it was either the first year or the second year he was in the league, and they were like, "Yeah, we're not going to pitch him. We're we're just that good. We're going to be here every year. You know, he's yeah. he's at his innings limit. We're not going to throw him." save his arm, save his career, and it took him nine years to get back that far into the playoffs. Yeah, I remember that, him getting shut down. I feel like it was like at the end of the every season they were doing that to him. Yeah, and everybody was like, "What? you're going to put your best pitcher on the bench? On the bench. To save his arm? You go win that. You go win now. You go you, win you now. Don't, you don't, you can't go worry about that. And, and they got a lot of crap for a long, long time because of that. As yeah. they should, because on one, it's hard though. Because on one end, did they know something that we don't? Did they know? Was it kind of like the Correa physical, where everyone just saw something, and since he never was a free agent, really, they just kept it under wraps. Well, then why would they sign him to this bajillion dollar thing after twenty nineteen? I don't think so. Because after you went, it was immediately after they won the title, and at that point, you're looking at it with rose colored glasses. Sure. I it's mean, he hard, was World it's Series. It's very MVP. hard to tell someone to go after they win a World Series MVP. I was top five in Cy Young voting. Yeah. I no, was a hell of a drug. Yeah. I'm saying if they knew something medically, I don't think they would have uh, signed him to that big of a contract. Because they're going to owe him so feeling. much money every year. Yeah, but there's always the feeling of, hey, he earned the money. We'll give it to him because there's no salary cap. You know, sure. Yeah, I'm, right not sure. You because... I'm not sure I buy that one. I'm not sure I buy that one. But so what's the point of sitting him for all that time? There had to be a reason. Because clearly, if they were trying to preserve him long term, I mean, this was a thing back in the not work out. I mean, this was a thing 
even more than it is now back in the days. I mean, you remember Jabba Chamberlain. They had all these rules. You can't pitch more than the seventh yeah. inning. And you can't throw more than 80 pitches and all this crap because that was like – that was the sabermetrics of, of, of that time. That was what they were hype, harping on was, was that, you know, pitchers can't throw more than this. They can't do more than that, blah, 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 blah. And whatever – you know, whoever was leading that organization must have really bought into that. But have you noticed that anyone that you put rules around to try to help them succeed, they usually – goes bad. Yeah, yeah, every time. I haven't seen one of them where it's like, okay, we have to, you know, put these guys on a tight leash where they have to do this, this, and this exact, and they have long-lasting careers. Again, Strasburg's career was great. And that's what happens when you baby a guy and you don't want him to develop. But, like, look at Kodai Senga right now. He, they're saying he can't pitch on five days rest? I know. I mean, what does that mean? He's going to struggle if you pitch him every five days. I don't know if you guys follow the college stuff, but there's like college kids throwing complete games and they're throwing like 160, 170 pitches. I don't think that's healthy though either. I think there's got to be somewhat of a balance there. Yeah, didn't he throw like 152 or something? 156 pitches. Yeah, something like and that. And then two days later, we're not to pitch. That's uh, that's yeah. a little much. There's that's, be... that's just stupid. But, yeah. Yeah. but you, know, you also got to remember, just going back to saying, that guy's 30 years old as in playing in Japan. Where he right. is not pitching every fifth day. He's not a twenty-year-old so, kid. Uh, yeah, he's not a twenty-year-old kid anymore. I, I, that one I can kind of understand. But you're paying him ninety million dollars. But you're Steve Cohen. <laughs> you're paying him ninety million dollars, and the Steve team Cohen. is not that good, which is a perfect segue. Yeah, here we go. Let's get listen, into it. Listen, you're Steve, you're Steve Cohen, and he got rid of fried dough at City Field. So I. I <laughs> oh boy, you and your fried dough. But no, they've been bad, and it's not Steve Cohen's fault. Steve Cohen's shelling out money. Yeah, but you got the Mets with the highest payroll, and I think they're what two games below five hundred now, right? But that's Billy Epler. That's not Steve Cohen. I guess if so, he takes action, fault. like yeah. the only thing that Cohen didn't do was not sign Correa, which has worked. Yeah, he wouldn't have been that much. It's honestly a big exhale that he didn't. The best yeah. thing that he did this offseason was not doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. but everything else was a no-brainer. Like, you, you needed a pitcher. You you try the Senga experiment. And I actually like Senga, and I think he's going to eventually work out. I just don't like that they're putting these rules on him already. I um can't fault Cohen for doing what he's doing. It's just his players aren't performing, and it's awful. I'll just throw out some numbers. Uh, Verlander's ERA is above five. And that's, one of, the, <laughs> that's one of the best ERAs on their staff, which is Yeah, well, nuts. bad things happen to bad people. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, the two guys they're paying, $87 million this year, Scherzer and Verlander, 16 total starts. Their ERA is just under 4.0, which is pretty bad considering how much they're getting paid, right? Yeah, but they're also a combined 90 years old. Right, but we, <laughs> I saw that coming. I know people people were so high on that signing. You, you had to take the shot. I don't – again, I, it's another thing that I, I don't think any Met fan can blame Cohen. And I think Verlander and Scherzer both will figure it out. But part of me wonders how much the pitch clock is affecting these guys. That's a good point. I don't know. Did Scherzer always pitch long? Like, did he take long to pitch before this? It's funny because I remember one of them saying that they felt better with the pitch clock. But, of course, you're going to act like it doesn't bother you. Yeah. You, don't agree, you know, people think that you're in your head. But uh, even if they didn't, it's just the idea of it being there and thinking about it. I can see that messing with you and taking the toll. Like, we saw Garrett Cole last year – get angry when someone was on the mound for too long and they would, or they wouldn't let him warm up after a certain amount of time because of a ceremony. <laughs> it, 
pitchers are very, very routine, superstitious, heavy yep. creatures. Max Scherzer's like that. I was at a game when I saw someone who went out to throw out the first pitch. He didn't actually get to throw out the first pitch because Scherzer wanted to throw. <laughs> so they walked him out there, and he had to walk back without throwing the ball because Scherzer <laughs> Scherzer's like, I'm in my warm-up. I'm not That's getting so off the mound. And I love Scherzer. I think it's great. And it's just typical Mets dropping the ball. Yeah. Now that Alonzo's hurt, they got no offense either, man. Um, I want you guys to guess Lindor's average since becoming a Met. What do you think it is? Since becoming a Met? Yeah. Ugh. I feel like it's going to be too high. I'm going to guess 240. Josh? Uh, I don't think he's been that bad. I'm going to say like 260. Mike is 246, so pretty Not close bad. there. And this year specifically, he's at 216, but, I mean, he's been awful. Well, his first year, he was awful. I mean, yeah, he, he was really bad. Years. I think last year he did pretty well, and then this year he's back to being bad. Yeah, 32 million a year, baby. But let me tell you, when the Mets got Lindor, and they were like, oh, my God, this guy is the greatest thing since sliced bread, I told you. He's overrated. He is. I agree. Because he's I smart. like him. I He's another one because I I, I mean he's a, he's a good double. character right he's a nice but guy he ain't, I, and, and he's a good defending shortstop which you know you need but I don't know just because the guy switched hits and makes contact but obviously he's not really making much contact anymore and I'll tell you this every time I go to a Met game I'm always looking to see like who's interacting fans who's signing Lindor signs every single game right before first pitch for like 30 nice 40 people. Like that's a guy who I want to see succeed. I don't care what team, what uniform he's wearing, what team he's on. That's a good guy. Yeah. I wish he wasn't on the Mets, but <laughs> you know, I think New York media is starting to kill him a little bit too because he's starting to get booed by the fans. Media starting to kill him. Well, in Cleveland, you, you're not having as much of that. Well, yeah, you'd fly under the radar headed to you know two sixteen a little bit. Um, right, and there is value to that. Like I, I understand why stars wouldn't want to come to New York, which is why I'm so appreciative when they do. Because why would you want to deal with the extra crap that comes along? I get it. Speaking of uh, contact hitters, McNeil has also been awful, dude. I don't know. I mean, 275 isn't bad. Jeff McFeeble. <laughs> In the words of Frank the Tank. But like any, any sort of power has gone away. He has had... Three extra base hits since April 28th. How Ugh. crazy of a stat is that? All right, question, <laughs> because I don't actually know this. Yeah. Did the Mets get a new hitting coach? Didn't they? Did they I hire a new don't know. Here? Why do I think they did? Because I'm telling you, after years of watching the Yankees. Is it Eric Hinsky? I don't know. I don't even know who that is. Oh, he's the assistant hitting coach. Jeremy Barnes. Who? Jeremy Barnes is their hitting coach. Eric Kinski is their assistant. I remember seeing him in opening night. That's why I was. I thought he was the hitting coach. I just don't know what happened to McNeil's bat at all. He's gone. This is his second year, Jeremy away. Barnes. All right. I don't know. I just, I just figured because, you know, after years of watching the Yankees and, you know, their approach to plate has got awful. That's Wait, correction. I can't read. That. It is his first year. He he was the assistant assistant last year, got promoted this year. Eric Chavez was his uh, president. Yeah. And being as that, I don't watch the Mets. So my guess would be that their approach to plate has changed dramatically. They still walk, their walk rate's really high. 
Um, so uh, yeah, which you know what that tells me, which which yeah. tells me that they're looking at pitches they shouldn't be looking at. Yeah. And I've watched the Yankees too many times. Watch fastball down the middle. Watch fastball down the middle. Swing at slider at the dirt. Yeah. Too many times, especially when they start losing games, it just compounds over and over and over and over again. And it's like you are not a contact hitter. You are a power hitter. Why are you not sitting fastball in the first two pitches of a bat? What are you doing? I don't know, man. And it's and it's not because these guys can't hit it. It's because they're being told to hit like that. This is the game plan they've come up with. This is this is Brian Cashman's sabermetrics. Thank you, Cashman. Well, every team has access to sabermetrics, right? Yeah. So the sabermetrics are saying we but usually throw fastball here, and the Yankees are are looking for it. Well, you just do the opposite of what they tell you. There you go. Pretty much. And do we even know what's going on with Vogelbach? Like, where is he? Uh, he has. I think they're giving him like a mental health break. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think that just came out actually. But they were talking about doing like a mental health. They just kind of get his head right. And, oh wow. You know, see kind of if we, they can get him back. Yeah, he's going on a break, a mental break. Wow. Poor guy. I'm trying to make sure that I'm not being spoofed, but I'm not. This team, man. I mean, it's good for him. I think that could be actually helpful because he's he's a good hitter. He is. He's a fan favorite. I think it's just – but, again, that New York thing. You start to struggle. The media kills you. Yeah. The fans kill you. We killed Aaron Hicks. We killed A.J. Burnett. Yeah, now look who's thriving in Baltimore. I can't. We're, people are killing Giancarlo now. It's just how it works, especially the bigger – and the bigger you are, the harder you fall. But speaking of guys who are just declining, what I'm noticing here, uh, other guys with the pitch clock. We are talking about Berlander and Scherzer. Alec Manoa, who <laughs> oh my. Guys, oh, I have my list of guys to see, right? Uh, every you know, I try to see every great player at least one time. I have a list that I cross off every time I go to games of different players. Alec Manoa was number eight on my list to see this year at the beginning of the season. Wow. He had a six point three six ERA and is now <laughs> rotting in some random league somewhere. Yeah, not even Triple A. I think it's Single league. A. I almost said the Arizona Fall League. It's, it's the Single A team. It's terrible. Insane. Like I. It's, it reminds me of Dontrell Willis a little bit when he was on the Tigers and just had, like, two really bad outings, and they're just like, nope, you're done, and he was on the Long Island Ducks, like, a week later. <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't even call Manoa declining, man. He, 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 he went off that cliff driving full speed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he went off that cliff full speed, crashed headfirst, airbags didn't even explode, just absolute fiery ball of fire. <laughs> just the firefighters couldn't even put it out as that bad. I it mean, is. It holy... Is. Holy. It's not just Manoa. Manoa. I mean, he had a whip of almost two, which is beside the point. But Dylan Cease, 4.380 ERA. Julio Urias, 4.390 ERA. Sandy Alcantara, 4.75 ERA. Yeah, but I, yeah, but you're also, you're also picking up, you're also picking out one year wonders out of that. Yeah, but they were the best pitchers of last year. Urias isn't a one year wonder. Oh, okay. Not Urias, but the other two. Cease, yes. Alcantara had two good years, I'd say. Yeah. Like, he made two all-star teams. Somehow he yeah. made the all-star team the year he led the league in losses. But what's the life of a pitcher? Yeah, because <laughs> he was on the Marlins. But, I mean, let's be real. What's the life of a the pitcher? These guys get figured out. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd entirely blame it on the pitch clock. I mean, you're, you're again, it, to, to me, you're a professional athlete. 
deal with it. I wholeheartedly agree. That's how I feel about Senga. Right. Like if, if you are able to be the best at your sport, play. Yeah. Despite whatever circumstances it is, whether it's – I don't disagree with that. It should be that pitch, easy, right? <laughs> whether it's the pitch clock, whether it's October, whether it's load management, there's a whole other discussion. I'm sure when we talk mm. NBA eventually, that'll be a heavy discussion. Hopefully <laughs> something about it. But, you know – like you said, one circumstance shouldn't change your whole career arc. Right. But all these pitchers, and it seems to be pretty systematic. Like, even – like, Spencer Strider was on a tear to start the year. He had a couple rough outings, and now his ERA is up. He got smacked the other night. He has a 3.79 ERA. Mm. He gave up uh, eight runs against the Mets, actually, in ten innings. Uh, they still and somehow won. the Mets still lost. <laughs> yeah. Listen, amazing. Uh, Severino, I've given up. I'm done. Oh yeah, no, he. Yeah, I'm with you on that. He was so overhyped. Uh, at the same with. time, uh, it was pointed out to me today that he was throwing 100 when he first came up, and now he's topping out at 95. So he's probably hiding an injury. Great. Well, I'm sure he is. But say he's, he's out have there. Absolutely no pitching whatsoever. Uh, you know. We got, we got all those pitches, man. We got Garrett Cole. Yeah, and I want to put out an wait, APB for Carlos We got Cortez. Rodon. Oh, wait, he's hurt. We got Severino. Oh, wait, no, he sucks. Oh, yeah, you're right. We got, we signed we got Clark Schmidt. God damn, we have Clark Schmidt, boys. <laughs> oh, my God, we're winning the World Series. Yeah, I think uh, we need to put out an APB for um, Carlos Rodon. I don't know what is taking so long in this man's recovery. I mean, there were rumors going out a couple months ago that he was out the entire season. His wife said that they were a load of crap. And so far, it ain't looking good. He was supposed to miss two weeks. Do you remember that? We, I know. We haven't heard a thing. Yeah. That's the scary Rodon. part. Well, no. They've been saying that he's going to start throwing every week for the last, like, three weeks now. Yeah. Okay. With no answer as to how that's changing. Yeah. You know, DeGrom's hurt. Like, the state of pitching is not good right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's be real. We all kind of expected DeGrom to get yes. hurt. I don't think anyone expected it to happen you know, by uh, June of the first year yeah. of the contract he signed. But I, I think, think we all kind of expected him to have surgery either. Like Again. That, no. That's a mean, like, that, I don't want to go over Hall of Fame on this, but I think that was the, like, we watched the death of a real legitimate Hall of Fame candidacy with that. Oh, yeah. That was like, I, mean, yeah. I was sad hearing that. Because when healthy, he's arguably the best pitcher of the entire generation. Yep. I think you could stack Peak Degrom up with Peak Kershaw, or Peak Verlander. Yeah, you can and now Degrom right is going to be the new Tim Lincecum. Yeah, yeah, it's Tim Lincecum, Corey Kluber. There's a group. It's this two-time Cy Young winners with no plaque, and it's well, going to be Elias Kluber stuck around DeGrom, for a long career. Yeah, King Felix. I love him though. Who also? I know Felix only has one Cy Young, but Johan Santana is another one. Brett Saberhagen. Lincecum, Kluber, and DeGrom. Those are the five. Wow. And they all just... It was a very, very steep, immediate decline. Talk about the Mets offseason. That's the best thing they didn't do, sign DeGrom. Right. (laughs) Honestly, if Cohen spent more money, it would have been worse. Yeah. Yeah. Between DeGrom and Correa, that's probably $500 million he saved. Don't worry, Papa Moneybags will just keep pumping it out. <laughs> oh, I know. 
all that Betty Steve. But not signing those two means that's the money for Otani. Right there. Oh, yeah. two he didn't sign. Even though Otani says he doesn't want to go to the East Coast. He is going to the Dodgers, and I'm going to kill myself. Uh, he should. Oh, no. <laughs> Listen, if I was Otani, I would get as far away from the Angels as I could. The only team I wouldn't sign with is the Athletics. The only team. You'd, you'd sign with Arizona. You're, you're that confident in Arizona I would now. sign with Arizona. Really? Wow. I would sign with Lily, any other team not named the Athletics. You get to play alongside Corbin Carroll and have Zach Gallon pitching for you once every five days. <laughs> That's right. We're really believing in Arizona, guys. I believe I mean, in them more than the Padres. Oh, here we go. That's what's in. When, when hey, are you, know what? Hey, you know, let's be real. You know who the best Padres player is right now? Who? Gary Sanchez. Oh, God. <laughs> Gross. Oh, yeah, God. I mean, he's got five home runs in the last in the last month. So I don't that's know what, what he does. Like, he had twenty. Got more home runs than anybody on the Yankees. And then uh, any shoot. catcher on the Yankees. Yeah, I'd take him in a heartbeat. Gary ate ten runs, but hit home runs. <laughs> that's what's in. <laughs> Dude, I can't. But when is Arizona going to fall off? Is the question. Like, there's no way they keep this up, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I think they'll be that fun team, like. Baltimore last year, where yeah. they hung in for just long enough to make it fun, give you that feeling that they're close. No, and you know, I think they're better than that. I think they'll actually make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to beat out the Dodgers for the division. No. How about Pittsburgh, thirty-four and thirty-one? Yeah, what the actual what that is going one I on? can't believe that division. But they also play in a disgusting division. I think I think it's less. The story should be less about how good Pittsburgh is and how is, is actually how bad the Cardinals are. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And what, they really should on? be a lot better. I don't know how <laughs> a team I, with I Arenado and, and Goldschmidt and Edmund. And they got a couple other guys that are pretty good. I mean, they're not superstars, but they're pretty good. But you have two superstars on that team, and they can't win a game. Nope. Arenado's been struggling. Yeah, he's having a bad year. Well, there's a problem. I mean, he's hitting 285, so I guess he's turning up now. But he he was down for a while. Yeah. I don't know, man. That I mean, they started the season. They were like, what? 10 and 50. They were like 10 and 20. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh my God, what is going on here? Really, I'm still uh, like that. I thought they would dig themselves out, but they just haven't. But you know who the true sleeper of this year is? The one that the Matt Mets? called. <laughs> no, nah, the one that Matt called. The, the Mets call? are a different kind of sleeper, Zach. <laughs> the Rangers are 41 and 25. I wouldn't call him a sleeper, but yes, Smack they had a fantastic year. I cannot lie. I did not well, think they, they would just, be this no, good. No, but I've, I've said sleeper because I picked them as the dark horse team in the preseason pod, and you guys thought I was nuts, and I have the screen recording to prove it, and I posted it. I mean, you are nuts, but that's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah fair enough. But, but I they're three honestly, and a half games up on Houston. I can't believe Simeon's playing this well still. I, like, refuse to believe this guy's good at baseball. I, I <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I listened to it. I have the receipt. <laughs> I was always a believer in Texas. It was always the Texas Rangers. And even with the Grom out, they're still winning. I don't know what it is about Simeon. To me about Simeon, to me about Simeon, it's not that I don't want to believe that he's good. It's that I don't like that he's like, he's the greatest second baseman that's ever lived. It's like, yeah, because he played shortstop for 10 years. Yeah. He's not a second baseman. Now he just became one. He's like, he hit those home runs at second baseman. He's not a second baseman. Played one year at second base. But if you could build an all-star team of guys that you hear them, like, have it like being among the best players in the league at times, and you're just going ick. The all ick, how are they playing this well? All star team, 
Marcus Simeon is a starting second base. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it, it's just guys who like, wait, he's getting that many MVP votes. Wait, he's playing that well. It just, it, it's the all, is that a typo team? Mm-hmm. I think that's the best name for it. And Marcus <laughs> yeah. Simeon is a starting second baseman on that team. It oh, just yeah. doesn't sound right. And I also name drop specifically Josh Jung. 284 batting average, 838 OPS, 13 home runs, second on the team. I I nailed that pick. I feel really good about it. I don't care what else happens this season. That's what you need out of a rookie. That that's how you win yep. that's how you win championships. I'm very proud of that Ranger pick. But you know what? The Rangers did the same thing as the Mets did, except they were actually successful. They went out, they spent money. They spent money. Look at Evaldi, man. I never liked Evaldi. I don't know why. What? He's another all ick guy. I He's never awesome. thought he was good. He's always he been was good. riding like a four ERA when he was here, and then he goes to Boston and pitches what eight scoreless in the World Series. Uh, if you actually watch those he games, he pitched gross. for us. I actually liked Evaldi. I, I did watch the game. He, he had a fastball that he would throw, leave down the middle of the plate, and people would crush it. You're right. Oh my. And then they went to a exactly team that has did. actual coaches and learned how to throw. Four point four five ERA with the Yankees. See, the thing was, yeah, but the thing is, is that you know you look at a lot of Yankees pitchers, and they have a lot of guys like CC Zabathia. Who were big and fat and strong, I could throw 100 miles an hour. And when these guys realize that that's not going to work anymore, and we've reached a point basically where throwing 100 is not just going to earn you top, you know, pitcher, out, yeah. you have to know how to pitch. You can't just throw. And the Yankees have never learned to teach a guy to pitch. Is playing really well. Was playing really well, and we probably missed our window on really talking about him deeply. And that's Luis Arise. Overrated. Miami. I don't know about that. I feel like Luis. no one's talking about him. I feel like he's so, like no one is discussing this guy. Do you remember when Puig was batting like 400 in like what 2013? Puig, your friend. Yes. Yeah. Where now was he's he? A gambling addict. Exactly. Puig is nowhere to be found. <laughs> Not in the league anymore. <laughs> so yeah, Luis Arise is hitting 400 as of like three days ago. And now he's in 382 because he's won for his last 14. But, like, if he gets back up, he could flirt with it. Yeah, but it's not, he's, he's not going to pull a Ted Williams. It's just not I mean, he could, he could probably hit 350, but I don't think he's going to get he's it. Not, he's not doing it. I think we all agree on that. But yeah. hypothetically, if he was to hit 400, do you think he's the automatic for MVP? Yeah, you got to give it to him. I yeah. do, too. And I heard. Some uh, let me ask this question: What team does he play on again? Miami. Does it? My question is: Does it matter? And it doesn't. No. Baseball is a historic sport, and they live by the stupid principle of, "Oh, wait, that's what we did in 1910. That's what we're gonna do now." In my opinion, it should matter what team you're on. I agree. Baseball doesn't. But mm-hmm. I don't see. It's hard. It's hard to make that statement to say that he's going to win MVP because you don't know what anybody else is going to do. But I also don't see any storylines, particularly right now in the National League, aside from maybe Corbin Carroll, that's going to fight him on that. Yeah, and you're not voting – but same kind of thing. You're not voting Corbin Carroll MVP in his rookie year. No. It's not like he's Ichiro right now. Like He's playing well. Yeah, at what point do personal accolades, like something really, really spectacular overtake, like, oh, this team is not even going to make the playoffs, you know? There's there's, there's a balance there. Well, it seems like there's a – I mean, other than the year with Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio, because you can only pick one of them, generally if you're putting on some historic feat, you end up winning 
MVP unless someone else does something equally as impressive right. on a winning team. Like, if Judge wasn't on the Yankees last year, is he still winning MVP? I think if he so. hits 61, if he's absolutely hitting, if he's 62, not. he does. Well, if he hits no, 61, absolutely not. Are you serious nope. right now? Disagree. I, I Why wouldn't I be it. serious? All the media does is tell everybody how great Otani is. This is the first pitcher, the first guy to ever have uh, 10 wins and, and 12 home runs in a season. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Give this guy a trophy. I don't know why they don't just call rename MVP the Otani trophy and give it to him every year. <laughs> but you know what? The I feel media... bad I feel bad for everybody in the National League when he goes and plays for the Dodgers because you're never going to win an MVP trophy ever again. He's won it. All he has to do is exist. Doesn't matter how good his ERA is. Doesn't matter what he hits. He wins automatically. You really don't think Aaron Judge, if, say, he was on the Giants, he would have won last year? No. That's crazy. There's one thing that the media loves more than Otani. Well, if he's on the Giants, that means he was in the National League, so yes, he would have won. Oh, okay, whatever. (laughs) There's one thing the media loves more than Otani, and that's hating on steroids. The clean record is 61 home runs. The real home run record is 755. No, they're not. But (laughs) no, I think like Otani's. And the old people who are going to die soon anyway think that those are their records because that was their nostalgia. And, you know, they're boomers. The boomers like Roger Maris. The boomers see Roger Maris's record get broken in their eyes finally legitimately. They're finally willing to accept that their hero, (laughs) his record is broken. They're still voting for Aaron Judge. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right that in a typical season, if it's if nothing like Judge or nothing like someone hitting 400 or no one hitting a triple crown happens, then I think it goes to Otani. However, the year before that, Vladimir Guerrero flirted with a triple crown. If Vlad Guerrero Jr. wins a triple crown, I think he gets it over Otani. Guerrero almost had a triple crown. He was a bazillion times better than Otani, and he the lost. The key word, though, is almost. Yeah. He didn't. If he gets, well, it, I don't understand how they. He had one of the best oh, hitting wow. seasons nice in the last. He had one of the best hitting seasons in the last fifteen years. You're absolutely Overall. right. Overall, that doesn't and matter. And lost MVP because a guy plays two positions. But he didn't get the triple crown. That's the argument. I completely agree with you here. There was a yeah, legitimate right. debate last year about Judge winning MVP yeah, because Otani plays two positions. Over it, you're right. It was stupid. It was, but. He did get the historic feat, and I think no matter what team he's on, they would have given it to him. Yeah. If Vlagaro hits the triple crown in Toronto, I think he narrowly wins or narrowly loses. It's not twenty nine to one. I think they need to add a caveat to the MVP voting that if your team doesn't make the playoffs, you you were not going to vote. I'm not End against that. Ooh. But then how how do we look at Mike Trout's career? Yeah, how do you right look now? at Trout and stuff like that? Like all of a sudden, you have three MVPs and four MVP runner ups, and there would be no accolades there. There's just no historical precedent for it. You can still win Silver Slugger. You can still win Gold Gloves. You can still win all that crap, but he can't win an MVP. That's crazy. You can make a, you can make a new award like like hockey does, where the players vote on the best player in the league. So if Mike Trout didn't have the MVPs or any MVP votes, he did have three MVPs and uh, three runner uh, four runner ups. He would be a ten time All Star with nine Silver Sluggers. I don't think that tells the full story of how great Trout's been. And yeah. I think baseball is not that sport where one player has doesn't have that significance over wins and losses. It just doesn't work. Also, I want to segue for one second here. Breaking news, Jose Barrios' no-hitter was just broken up. Uh, had six-hitting <laughs> no-hitter. 
and it was just broken. Right. So, um, but anyway, moving back, um, three MVPs, that tells the story of how great Trout was. It's not Trout's fault that his GM also for a while was Billy Epler. Yeah. Couldn't put a team around him. So I don't want to hold that against the player when it's it's not like NBA where it's more individualized. I don't know about hockey well enough to really comment on it, but you know, are you missing out on the heart trophy if you are on a bad team? Like Connor McDavid won several hearts and his team was never a contender really until this year. Connor McDavid also scored more points than everybody else. Right. Yeah. Trout was Trout led the league in OPS. Trout was clearly the times. best player every year. Trout led the league in on base percentage four times. Right, Trout but that should, that should reflect in your career times. stats. It better reflect in your career stats anyway. So then McDavid shouldn't have won the Hearts either. Then you see, he made the playoffs. Okay, you see how many, team make, you see how many teams make the playoffs. Argument. You see, I mean, with the amount of teams that make the playoffs, there shouldn't be an excuse. I get it now with expansion, but it's still it's not. Yeah, he can't hit nine times in a row. So like if Trout if Trout's out there and they signed me, you, Zach, and the St. Jimmy's baseball team, that's not his fault. Yeah, yeah but it's hard for me to say. Uh, you know, this guy's the most valuable player in the league when he. I know, but that's never that what bad. the award was. Yeah, baseball isn't as individualistic. It's never as what the award was. Other sports. It does. That's I. I don't disagree with you, but by that same token. Sandy Alcantara is not a Cy Young. Well, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of awards that would have yeah. to be changed. And and again, I, I get where you're coming from, but if you're pitching one of every five days and you're literally not playing the other 80% of your team's games, how can you be held responsible for your team making Yeah, but what is the definition of, Cy, of the Cy Young Award? But what's the definition of the Cy Young Award? Best pitcher. Hmm. It's not most valuable pitcher. It's just best pitcher. All right, fine. So let's change MVP to best player. We can have that debate in any sport. Yeah. I then I would then I would change my opinion. But if we're doing that, then you know, LeBron would have won ten straight MVPs. It doesn't work. It's not how it it's not how it ever was. Right. So you're either most valuable or you're the best. But those are two different things. That's one of those where I would actually heed to historical precedent. I would. MVP is largely based on narrative, and I understand that, and that's what we're seeing here. I don't agree with giving the award to Otani just for breathing when other people, if they have better seasons. However, if the numbers are even, I wouldn't mind seeing Otani get the tiebreaker for doing both. In terms of Mike Trout, how I, I just don't get how you can say, like, he's responsible for one-ninth of the team's offense at the most, and that's including... That's assuming he's healthy for all 162 games. It's not like basketball where he touches the ball 40 times a game and has a 50% usage rate. It's not like hockey where he's you know playing 20 minutes a night. He has no real impact other than his own numbers. So when you're comparing guys number to number, I mean, yeah, you can look at runners in scoring position, but if you don't have guys in scoring position all the time, what is he supposed to do? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just it, it just still burns me that Guerrero lost the MVP vote. It's not like he just lost. Otani got I, every single first place vote. I don't disagree with that. All I of think them. I, every single one of them. I, <laughs> Our I guy that missed a triple crown by a couple of batting average points. I don't disagree with you, but that's also the stupid writers. Yeah, who baseball writers. Kurt Schilling into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. 
and I'm not going into reasons why, but Kurt Schilling should be, based on field performance, a Hall of Famer. A lot of it is narrative. Yeah, we can. We a lot can of it is character, and they hide behind that. And it's the same voters, same BBWAI voters. It's less of them, but it's the same group as a whole. And if Guerrero got the triple crown, I think there would have been a big difference in the voting. I understand that it sounds so stupid and it really shouldn't matter, but to them it does. So if ju- going back to the original point, we went on a tangent, but if if Judge hits 61 home runs, maybe it goes to Otani. Maybe. On any team. If Judge hits 59 home runs, it definitely goes to Otani. If Judge hits 63, it goes to Judge. Doesn't matter what team he's on. He made the historic feat that's been going on for 50 years, and he did it clean. He made the historic feat. He did it clean, and there was still a debate whether he would beat Otani. I understand. That's it what shouldn't have even been a question. But, but debate is one thing, and doing is another. Vlad Guerrero didn't win because he didn't get the triple crown. I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying that's mm-hmm. what happened. Yep. Aaron Judge won because he got the feat. If the feat is accomplished, that makes a difference in the voting. All it takes is for 30 people to say, you know, Vlad Guerrero came really close, but Choi Otani did this thing we've never seen before. So I'm going to vote for Otani. It might have been. Except he's been doing a thing we've never seen before. People might have just felt that Otani was slightly better, and then it looks like that in the voting. Yeah, but the magic of Otani to me is worn off. The guy's been in the league for multiple years now. It's not just he's the first player to do this, he's the first player to do that. Yeah, he's been doing it for five years now. Is he above average pitcher? Yes. Is he above average hitter? Yes. Is he elite at either one of them? In my opinion, no. I understand. Kyle Schwarber at the plate. He oh. strikes out, his batting average is low, but he hits home runs. Homie, homie bats 170, but has 17 home runs or something like that. Like, let me know. You know what will make the luster go away with Otani? When someone else Nothing. does it. And no one else is going to do it. That's right. Luster is going to be there. And if they don't like it. And I like Otani, don't get me wrong. But I don't think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Let's talk. Let's talk about. Our favorite baseball team, the Athletics. Oh my God! I and the reverse boycott. <laughs> Cannot salute this fan base enough, man. I they are so cool. Uh, obviously, I made a point on the podcast a few episodes ago that the fans are there; they're just not showing up because the team's bad. And they showed up the other night, and they made their voices heard for sure. <laughs> All wearing a t-shirt saying "Sell the Straight team." Out of money ball throwing trash on the field and then also celebrating the team winning. It, it looked, honestly, it looked really, really awesome. I wish like we could go or something like that's so cool, man. All you needed was Scott Hatterberg, Jeremy Giambi and Carlos Pena there for the money bully years. <laughs> Cannot applaud that fan base enough for what they're doing. It's such a shame that they're going to lose their baseball team. Yep. It's a shame that that guy owns the team. That guy is one of the richest owners in the league and he yep. spends no money whatsoever at all on the team. It's disgusting. And anytime he gets a good player at his farm system, fire sale immediately. <laughs> I just I just don't know how the league can't turn around and step in and be like, you got to either sell this team or put some money in here because we can't do this anymore. I know. John Fisher's worth $2.2 billion. Oh, my God. I mean, God. You, have, you have to at some point force these guys to, to make moves. No, you're right. You got to get 
can they outvote him or something? Like outs him? There's got to be something they can. Do. I mean, they I, have I to define there has ground never been instrumental of the team. Yeah, I mean, you have to define a ground, and you have to, and and you have to set a precedent. But I mean, if a team is just this bad for this long, and 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 has this low of a payroll for this amount yeah. of time, at some point you have to step in and be like, this is not. Like, yeah, you're competitive not for the league. Yeah. Which is another problem with divisional alignments at this point, but that's another story. Yeah. Right, like what you can do is you can do what they did with the Dodgers before Magic Johnson and his team bought them with Frank McCourt, where like they basically said we're going to take a person from Major League Baseball to oversee the team, kind of like what the Sixers did with Sam Hinkie. Yep. And they had Brian Colangelo come in, and basically that meant that baseball took the team, and it wound up ending with McCourt selling the team to Magic Johnson. I don't know the exact details, but the Dodgers wound up filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and – it was a lot more to it, but the new ownership paid like ten to fifteen million just for the parking lots. Wow! So it was a lot to it, and I guess in theory that's what they could do because I don't remember there being any real conduct detrimental to the team with Frank McCord. I might be wrong; we were young when it happened, but. I haven't really heard of it in baseball since. Oh, wow. So I think they, they're less handsy with it than the, other yeah. leagues are. The Nevada State Assembly just passed the bill today to have the Oakland A's relocate to Las Vegas. They got the funding for the stadium. Yep. Yep. I do they've, think they've been slowly passing it through their, their systems, and I think the last thing they need to do is get the governor's approval, and he's already said he's going to do it. Wow. That's so sad, man. Good for Vegas. I feel bad for Oakland. Me too. I, I I wish that we could do expansion instead. I don't know, like, if the market's there. Well, clearly the fans are there for Oakland. The fans are there when the team is good and if the owner's not going to spend. And yeah. honestly, it sounds literally a scene at a major league where this owner wants to move the team and it's almost they're deliberately not spending. I don't think the only thing that's making me not think that is that they've been deliberately not Spending I think for he's years. greedy because he wants more profit in Vegas, right? So have you guys ever seen no, Major League? I don't think I was going to do with it. Well, what do you think, Owner Josh? died, daughter took over, and then they she wanted to move the team to Miami, so she deliberately had them play bad, mm-hmm. and then the team realized it and wound up in the World Series. Yeah, That's what it's like here. I don't think it's deliberate. They, they have they've not spent any money for too long of a time for it to be deliberate. But usually they have better teams than this. I this know, is it's awful. So but, but hey, they won seven straight, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's history too, dude. Yeah. The first time we've like, won seven straight games while starting out that winning streak at less than uh, 200 uh, winning percentage. <laughs> Vegas can make baseball cool again, though. I, I Like I said, I wish it was through a different means and different circumstances. But think of the Golden Knights are having their parade on the, L, on the LV Strip at that's 10 awesome. p.m., it's yeah. beautiful. There you go. Time you have Eastern time, rather. 7 p.m. their time. But still, like they're going right down the Vegas Strip. It's perfect. Yeah. That's right. Congrats, Vegas Golden Knights, baby. It's Thanks. awesome. I- I'm happy for them. Thank you, Jack Eichel. <laughs> Can't wait I'm to see you in the Hall of Fame. Everyone on that team except Jack. Man, it would have been fantastic if you won the Consmith. No. I really would have. Marchie March deserved it, but it would have been absolutely hilarious. Marchie deserved it. I was at the it. Shaggy concert last night refreshing my phone to see if I got the consmite. I hate you all. <laughs> I'm just oh, vibing to it wasn't me, and I'm just like, Eichel, Eichel, Eichel. <laughs> oh, 
All right, so one more topic I definitely want to cover. Uh, going back to Mets and, and, and all their fun stuff. Uh, Drew, Smith, Drew Smith got ejected last night for having sticky stuff on his hands without ever throwing a pitch. Uh, and oh then claims, and I don't know how true or not the story is, but it's pretty much all out all over the media today that he went back into the dugout and had, you know, an MLB official in the dugout and he, you know, felt up his hand and said, I don't understand why I threw you out. Yeah. He said the official actually laughed at him, right? Yeah. Crazy. I don't, I don't understand how that is true either, but. Feels like a New York bias at this point. And Smith and Smith said, you know, it's, it's sweat and rosin. Yeah. What do you want me to do? And I mean, to me, I, and I know we touched upon this again, is you either let these guys use sticky stuff or you don't. Yeah, you got to ban Rosin. You can't have some arbitrary crap right. where they can, where they're allowed to use sticky stuff. You know, they'll use Rosin and sweat, but they're not allowed to get it too sticky. What is that? It makes no sense. And now you're going to have an umpire have – one umpire is going to go out there on a power trip and decide, you know, today is the day where uh, nobody's going to mess with me. I'm going to throw this guy out of the game, 10-game suspension, you know. Screw you. We're done here. Yeah, it sounds no, I'm, like I'm Angel Hernandez. This is all about me. Yeah, I just I can't wait for these dweebs to start making a sabermetric stat for the stickiness of the pitcher's hand. Stop it. Let's see how long the rotations per uh, uh, fingernail start coming up. <laughs> I just oh, wow, the rotations um... per fingernail are not looking good today. <laughs> Looks like he's gonna you know. Get I'm sure. Listen, I'm sure that they have uh, tools where you can measure the stickiness of their hands. Yeah, buy them. Buy them. If this is, is a stupid minimum, game you want to play, is there like a unit of measurement for this? Like I'm sure they can figure one out. I mean, I'm the league sure has to do something. Almost falling off a cliff. We're literally. I mean, I mean, they do, they do, you know, adhesion testing for a lot of things. Well, you stick it to their damn hand and see how much, how much pressure it takes to pull it off. I need Here everybody to answer your question right now because we're actually sitting here on a sports podcast talking about potential units of measurement to determine how. <laughs> a hand is this is where the sport of baseball is and Lindor just smacked one off the wall oh wow he hit a home run oh double no nah, off the wall he came close he came about two feet away from it we're talking about how sticky our hands are god damn we sound like 12 year old kids yeah yeah the league needs to do something with their rosin rules because I I saw something I think I was listening to Michael K and he was saying that pitchers like to use rosin for warm-ups so then their hands are sticky so then they go out there and they're touching the rosin on the mound, and now their hands are already sticky. So umpires are like, you know, there, there's no clear rule on what they should be doing. And I think the league has to do something about it. Obviously, we all agree. League well, yeah, like, something. like, you know, on top of that, like we had said before, is that, you know, they're telling these guys, you have, what, 30 seconds to warm up. Well, what do I do? I have to spend 30 seconds getting my rosin ready on my right. hand? That's why he came into the game with stuff on his hands already. I mean, it's, it's, it is such an absolute no-brainer. That it makes sense that Manfred would miss because he's an absolute idiot. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just they don't think. There's, there's just absolutely zero thinking going on in this yeah. process. I mean, and to give a guy an automatic suspension, they're going to use it to warm up, right? Because why would you warm up without getting a grip on the baseball? <laughs> I mean, you either have to ban everything or ban nothing. Those are your two options. You can't play uh, this arbitrary yeah. game. How about we have them walk through a metal detector in front of all the fans, <laughs> um, go into their undershirts and underwear, make sure that there's nothing on there, treat it like the TSA. Uh, At this point, why not? Hey, you know what? Well, I would say, about, the players. How about the ump pulls out uh, Huggies baby wipes on the field? <laughs> 
and has them wash them, <laughs> and he gets to rub their hands to wash them if he has a problem with it. I think that's the perfect idea. If I was the players and they're telling me I have to disclose if I have sticky stuff on my hands, I would tell Manfred that he has to disclose what kind of baseballs they're using. I don't know. But what do you guys think about having them check the pitchers before they come out versus after? Like, what's the difference? How about we don't check them at all? We give every hitter steroids and we just play strength on strength. Oh, my God. The way sports is supposed to be. I think I, that – Why does this matter? Why do we care? Him. Who cares? They're, they're trying to increase scoring. They're, they're trying to increase score. That's why I don't want sticky stuff. So, yes, I see your point, steroids, blah, blah, blah. But at that point, just don't let them use sticky stuff. It'll be worse. There'll be the runs will be through the roof, and the pitchers will be terrible. Yeah, but they guess are having the pitchers deliberately throwing at guys' heads and saying, "Whoops, I lost control." No, Sorry. exactly. I think Scherzer said something like that the other day. They can fight it if they really want to. When uh, Scherzer hit Stanton, right? He's like, "Oh, he was. I'm lucky. I had a good enough grip on the ball where I didn't hit him in the head." So they're gonna. They're Whoops. definitely gonna do I'm that. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure Scherzer said that in the very beginning of the year along the lines of, well, you're going to see guys get hit by pitches more and guys get hurt because yeah. we can't control the ball. And that's just and how Chris is absolutely the type of guy who would go to make that point. Yeah. yeah. But he's not wrong. He's not. Something needs to be there. I think I think it's rosin and you just got to gotta be lenient with it. I don't know. It's, just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I understand. I, to me, if they're only going to let him use rosin, what they have to do is – Increase the time between innings to let them – and increase the time when a pitcher comes to the game to let them do what they want with the rosin, and they have to come out every inning with clean hands. That's the only way that you can police what they're doing. The only way. Right. Because every every time they that they throw a guy out, every time they throw a guy out, they throw Smith out, they throw Scherzer out, they throw – what would they throw on the Yankees? I forget. Herman. Herman. It's always that, well, I don't know what this is. It's rosin, idiot. Well, yeah. I can, how am I supposed to know that? Because it's the only thing that's legal, right? Because it's the only thing that's legal. There you go. <laughs> so you, you either give the pitchers more time to do it on the field where they're in the sight of everybody or ban sticky stuff altogether. And then you're going to create another whole slew of problems. So you either put a Band-Aid on the issue that you've created for yourself or you can absolutely destroy it. And knowing Manfred, he's going to do nothing. And yep. it's going to continue to be an issue. Yep. <laughs> I'm surprised that it didn't come to a head when Scherzer got ejected. Doing nothing would have fixed a lot of problems to begin with. And that wraps up our latest installment of Championship or Bust. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time with 1911, unless we pick some other episode in between that. But see you later. <laughs> Bye. See you. Yay, Jack Eichel. Oh, my God. <laughs>